This episode of From the Desk of Alicia Kennedy is brought to you by Gastro Obscura, a food adventurer's guide by Cecily Wong and Dylan Thuris from Workman Publishing. Tour each continent through the book's encyclopedic entries on some of the world's most interesting foods and places. Did you know that Zambia is home to the world's biggest edible mushrooms called Termitomesis titanicus, and that often its cap can grow to three feet wide? Learn about this and more in Gastro Obscura, a food adventurer's guide, on sale now. Let's do it. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Yo, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I've been following your work and it's great. And Thank you. I'm honored <laughs> to talk to you. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, I'm excited to talk to you about this book because obviously since it came out, I've been really well before it even came out, I was excited about it. And then it came out and I've still been excited about it. So um can you tell me about where you grew up and what you ate? Yeah. Um I grew up in New Orleans and um I ate a lot of good food. <laughs> and I I grew up in a Honduran household, you know, my parents are from Honduras, so I definitely got the best of both worlds, uh, going to school and eating some, some like fried chicken, some red beans and rice and cornbread, uh, coming home, having a baleada, you know what I'm saying? Arroz con pollo, you know what I'm saying? So I was blessed with the experience of, uh, being able to eat so many delicious, um, meals, so many classic meals, um, in my opinion, you know, New Orleans is one of the, the one of the culinary capitals in the world. I mean, New Orleans cuisine is just so distinct and different than what uh, you find in other areas of the country. Um, and you know what I'm saying? I mean, just people can't cook beans like they cook <laughs> beans in the South. And, you know, people can't cook. Uh, you know, so it's it's uh, it's there was just so much good food. There is so much good food there that. Um, it's even hard to list like my favorite. Yeah, but, of course. <laughs> um, it was it was great. Yeah. What was the fried chicken given to you in like the school cafeteria? I mean, listen. Let me not <laughs> let me not go crazy. The the school school cafeteria chicken wasn't you know it it, it wasn't like Michelin star or something. <laughs> it was uh, it was school cafeteria fried right, chicken. Right, right, right. But but it was <laughs> yeah like but- they. They, they would serve us the classics like Monday's red beans and rice day always with smoked sausage, cornbread. You know what I'm saying? Friday is fried catfish day always. And then in between you get like a jambalaya, you get a little gumbo or, you know, again, we're not talking like, let's be real. It came from Cisco or Sodexo right. or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's not like it was that, that was, that was just like, yo, you know, when you're eight, nine years old, like you don't know what's the difference between, packaged beans and then home cook and then you start to learn as you get older so yeah uh, no but that's still yeah. so interesting though because you know I grew where I grew up on Long Island there was no like sense of local culture that you were getting in the cafeteria food it was just disgusting um and like so that sounds very French I guess to me like that that idea that in your school cafeteria you should still be like experiencing what the cuisine of of the place yeah. where you come from is I think that's that's so cool I had no yeah. idea that that happened there um, yeah 100 100 yeah. that's how we get down 
Well, in New World Sourdough, your book, it's clear that you grew up cooking, like food was a natural part of your upbringing. You write about your mom making tortillas and, you know, but when and, and how did you know you wanted to turn that kind of that knowledge, that passion into a profession? Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that I'm still trying to figure that out. Right. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it really, what happened is I, when I, when I, uh, obviously I started baking and cooking when I was younger, but it, it was just kind of like a hobby. And when I got to college in New Orleans, I, I, you know, to pay for, to pay for college and to pay for my books and all that kind of thing, I started working in kitchens as, as a line cook prep cook, dishwasher, whatever, server, waiter, everything. Um, and at that point, I realized how much I love just cooking food, being around, uh, not necessarily being around the, the culture of kitchens, because the culture of kitchens sucks. But yeah. um, like, there's been so many unpleasant experiences, just kind of in that like late night cooking grind. Uh, and not necessarily anything that like, like, someone did something to me but mostly just it's just such a grueling existence like changing the deep frying oil and like you know just dealing with roaches and rats and dealing with just stuff that that people don't even realize is going on in kitchens right and so um then it dawned on me I was like well I can kind of I can kind of do this but I don't have to be a cook I can you know I can be a baker I can do something that's a little bit different because I'm still serving people um, but as I came to that realization, cause I was doing some like pop-up bakery, pop-up, uh, bakes for Mardi Gras selling King cake and, and doing all kinds of stuff. But then I graduated and I became an accountant and I started working a corporate life. And I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, yo, I mean, I can't make, I'm not going to be a cook forever. I'm going to get a good job and a good salary and benefits and all that kind of thing. And, um, all the while I continued to kind of hone the craft of baking on the side I would like get in trouble for leaving work too early just to go home and bake <laughs> you know and I realized after after I became a CPA uh you know five six years into this game I think in the sixth year I was a, a federal tax manager for like an oil company or something and I was doing uh I don't even know what I was doing bro like serious I was just like in the cubicle and they're talking about moving money from like Luxembourg to the, I was just like, what, what is happening? Foreign tax provisions. Like, I don't, cause I, cause like I wanted to, while I was doing tax, I was like, okay, I want to do international tax because it's, yeah. because then I get to deal with culture. Then I get yeah. to deal with other countries. And like, I, I got to do like a Japanese tax return once I got to do uh, some French tax returns, or I've even called like, uh, the IRS in Canada, like the, the <laughs> Quebec division, because they they speak French, and I got so like I, I I knew I wanted to kind of be around that. I didn't want to just be around like a stagnant situation, yeah. but I was applying it to the wrong craft, and so I decided to yeah the craft of accounting. <laughs> <laughs> I just I decided to just piece out from that and start from scratch, and I started to pursue. Uh, two of my passions one which is coaching soccer I was I'm, you know a licensed soccer coach and at the same time I started selling bread I would sell bread to the parents of the kids I coached and <laughs> it, yeah, I started making more sourdough and using sourdough and really kind of like just got lost in that baking world just similar to what happened to a lot of people during the pandemic uh, that happened to me you know 
five, six years ago, six, yeah. six, seven years ago, I just like got lost baking. I mean, I, I, um, I had an injury on my leg. I was I tore my Achilles tendon, so I couldn't do much. I was always home and I was just baking like crazy. And then I started baking, you know, my mom came over one day and I baked her some pan de coco with the sourdough. And then, you know, I posted it to Instagram and then I made a blog and then that all kind of spiraled into this whole yeah. thing that I'm doing. Um, like that, that one loaf of pan de coco, you know what I'm saying? It's so yeah. wild to think about if I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't do that, you know, cause I was stuck, I was making baguettes and croissants and all that kind of thing over and over again, posting crumb shots and looking at crumb shots and looking at <laughs> that, that, that I was doing like that. And then when I stopped that, I was like, Oh, this is so much better. And <laughs> yeah. And then it started, you know, just opened my eyes into what, what baking really is and, and what Latin America offers right. in the baking world. And I was like, yo, this is the way because people don't know about it and I would like to share what yeah. little I know with them you know no and do you think that having been an accountant does that help you as a baker <laughs> you know I wasn't a good accountant so okay <laughs> <laughs> nah I was just playing you know um being a CPA definitely helps um helps me as a self-employed person right um it helps you know I know how to do you know my taxes and keep keep all my things as organized as possible but uh in terms of being a baker I mean I'm assuming you mean because of the math or math, something yeah. like that <laughs> you know I I when I was an accountant I use excel spreadsheets and as right. a baker I use excel spreadsheets I mean I don't I don't do mental math I'm actually okay if you ask me a, men, a mental a math problem right now I would be like uh, <laughs> excel and do it I don't you know what I mean yeah. But no, I mean, I can't even front. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I yes, I am, I am, I have to be good with numbers somehow. Yeah. If I got through what I got through in, yeah. in that yeah. career. But, um, you know, with so much going on, though, it's hard to, it's hard to like think about it, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I don't realize it. <laughs> right. No, no, it, uh, I mean, one of the, being a self-employed person in regards to taxes sucks so freaking much that yeah. that must be wildly useful. <laughs> yeah. That, that extra 15%, that extra 15.3% yeah. that we got to pay is absolutely bonkers. Yes, uh, yes. But Hey, you know, it is what it is. You can, you it, can deduct half of it. So hey, exactly. I mean, what, yeah. Yeah. The... <laughs> and I do. This is actually, this is actually a Tax 101 conversation, guys, <laughs> for whoever's listening. Hit me up. It's unofficial. I'm an inactive right, right. CPA. Don't sue, don't sue me when you do your return wrong. Come back talking about I heard Brian Ford talking about bacon. And CPA. Hey, guys, I'm inactive. State of Louisiana, not the state of New York. So don't come, don't come after me when you mess up your tax return because it's something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, it. <laughs> no, and I mean, you were just talking about crumb pictures in the introduction to your book. You remind people that like for centuries, people were feeding themselves bread without being obsessed with the crumb shots or hydration levels. You know, they just made bread. It was part of their life, part of, you know, yeah, survival. And, and so I wanted to ask how you turned kind of a more innate understanding and organic approach to baking into something accessible to an audience that 
is so obsessed with a very specific kind of perfect, especially when it comes to bread, especially when it comes to baking. I, I was talking to, well, I talk to bakers a lot, um, but (laughs) talking about, you know, this idea that people are afraid of, of baking. And so, yeah. How do you keep, how do you talk to an audience about that? Yeah. Um, it's kind of, you know, I don't blame people for being afraid of baking because it's, you know, when you, you can open up the most simple yeasted bread recipe and, you know, the total time is still going to be like three hours. And so they're like, three hours, make a loaf of bread. Why would I, what, what? I don't understand. Right. (laughs) And then when you get into more complex levels of fermentation and, 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 uh, different varieties of baking, you, you come into, you know, two to three day processes, right even though the actual physical working time is only a few minutes at a time, I think that off the bat will get anybody like three days, you know what I'm saying? Because if I open up a cookbook for some risotto, that's going to be done in like an hour, you know what I'm saying? 45 minutes. I open up a cookbook to make a, you know, grilled chicken, whatever. But I think uh, once people kind of get past, like, it's like, hey, like it's, it's, yeah, it's going to take an overnight situation, right? We're going to do we're going to let our dough ferment for four hours today and we're going to shape it. And then tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And then I think once they kind of realize like how little work it really is and like how little ingredients you need, I mean, you need three ingredients um, of which you can always have stocked in your kitchen. Right. So once people, once people realize that um, I think that part of the fear factor goes away and then you enter into another part of the fear factor, which is like, uh, like kneading dough, handling dough. Yeah. The dough's too sticky. It's sticking to my hand. I don't, you know, sticking to the countertop. I, you know, I'm I'm trying to shape it and it's falling apart. I'm trying to do this and it's falling apart. I'm trying to bake it and it comes out flat. You know why? Because your oven's not hot enough. The cast iron wasn't hot enough. Uh, or it's burning. Well, because you didn't turn the temperature down after you loaded it. You know what I'm saying? You know why is it so sticky? You probably added all the water at once. You should have. T- you should add it in slower increments. When do you add the salt at the end of the mixer before the mix? Do you autolyze with the leaven or not? Yo, the stuff gets, uh, you know, technical uh, because it is definitely a craft, but it's also very simple. And I think when I wrote, when I write recipes, I try to keep it as like straightforward as possible. Because in reality, what it is, is you're going to put stuff in a bowl, you're going to mix it until there's no dry flour left, uh, and then you're going to let it sit there. Right. I mean, I don't see what the problem with <laughs> articulating it that way. You right, know, right, some, right. some people get 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 deep in the boy, they get deep in the game. And that's fine, because at the same time, for people to truly learn, for those that really want to push forward in the craft of baking, they do need, you know, water temperature is important. Flour temperature is important. pH levels can be important. So uh, everyone's got a different strategy. And I, I just want to appeal to people that are sitting at home like, yo, I want to make some dope bread today. And that's it well, yo, just do this or this or that. And then you should have some dough bread. You got some issues, you know, send me an email and we'll figure it out. (laughs) Well, how do you uh, keep inspired to create new recipes? Like where, where do you, where do you, where does the creativity come from? How do you regenerate your creativity? I don't know. Um, (laughs) I know I'm not even joking. No, no, Uh, I I know. I quite, being being like to be I'll just be completely real with you right now I'm having I'm struggling with that um, yeah because I did you know I had a blog that was I had a all I had was a blog at a certain point so it was kind of easy to kind of pick and choose also like 
you know, the beginning, you know, I'm gonna put, you know, a rustic loaf, country loaf, seeded loaf, a baguette, a, a, you know, whatever, a brioche, a focaccia, some pizza dough, uh, again, falling into that traditional right. path. And then I, you know, had the pan de coco on there. I got the pan cubano on the blog. Um, I have like a, a rustic loaf with sorghum and quinoa, you know, indigenous grains of Latin America. I had, it was when it was just the blog, it was kind of easy for me to shape shift. Then the book came, the first one. So that's 35 recipes. So I kind of, in while writing that, I mean, I could, I, I didn't have the bandwidth to continue yeah. to create something that's free on the blog. And also, so I was kind of saving everything for the book, right? Then this book comes out and everything's cool. And then, you know, literary agents like, yo, 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 set, they want the yeah. second book already. You know, we need to do the deal for the second book. So this is like three months after my first book publishes uh, that, you know, all these publishers do a whole bidding war, blah, blah, blah. And then I, I, I end up with a very amazing publishing company. And now I'm working on a second book that's 150 recipes of 150 recipes of only Latin American baking. Oh, wow. So, you know, and, and then all the while I've got I have had my Patreon going. Yeah. Um, since la since for over a year now, a year and a half. So that that right there takes recipes. Then I do. Then I did my TV show with Magnolia Network. Mm -hmm. um, that right there takes creative juice. You know, yeah. there's ten episodes there, and had to brainstorm like twenty concepts to pitch to them. Um, ten of them made, and of course, I'm doing well. Can't say <laughs> right. I, right. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> uh, and then and then I started doing the podcast stuff with yeah. uh, with David Chang and them, which is really cool recipe club. And that right there takes some time, even though, you know, it's like finding recipes to use in recipe club or making my own recipe using recipe club. Um, so what happens is I a lot of days I spend uh, just getting overwhelmed and yeah not knowing exactly how to tackle everything um i've also been doing work with like server magazine yeah um doing um every other month shooting them some recipes and stuff like that and here's the thing cash is king and you know when <laughs> when people are and, and and this is like all the while it's like you know bon appetit basically delish blah 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 blah, blah. they've all hit me up and gotten recipes boom 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 here and there um and, and you know when you when i sit down and I'm faced with like this task of okay there's a here's a bunch of paid work that's not necessarily going to my audience for free it's going yeah. to someone else's publication uh, I'm going to do that first right yeah. um then you know obviously getting paid to to make a cookbook that's the biggest priority and the you know this one's not coming out for another couple of years so yeah. that these you know I, I might be posting about media lunas but yeah you know ain't nobody gonna <laughs> see that recipe for a while so, so you know gone are the days of old artist brian when artist brian was pumping out every week was pumping out a recipe i'll post something and the recipe would be on the blog people would be biting on it feeling it and my stuff would be moving forward now yeah. it's like i post about stuff but there's no recipe and then yeah. i'm like Maybe people are like, yo, this dude is tripping. He's not even getting recipes. <laughs> so, but anyway, that's like long-winded. The, the short answer is it's it's just difficult to, like the standards are high. The pressure is high. Yeah. The, the stakes are high. I mean, the, what the book is going to represent is going to be something very special um, because I, I, whether or not it's been done before is irrelevant. I just want to make, 
the best possible representation for Latin American baking as possible. Uh, breads, pastries, cookies, desserts, sourdough, not sourdough, yeasted, I mean, traditional. And mm -hmm. the research that has to go behind, like, honestly, when I talk about it, I get stressed out. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, am I good enough to do this? Have I done enough research to do this? Do I know what I'm talking about? Will these recipes work? Um, that, so, you know, to find the motivation to have the creativity, it's evolved for me. It, it used yeah. to be simple. Now it's very complex. Business, my business is growing. I, now, I have a production company now mm -hmm. with my partner and we do uh, TV stuff. We're doing podcast pitches. We're doing TV pitches. We're, we're man. So I'm managing, you know, a couple of businesses, managing mm -hmm. personal life, managing this and that. And the, the day is gone or the days where I just like wake up with like nothing really stressing me out and just go in the kitchen and be like, oh, I'm gonna make some like, I'm gonna make like a chocolate coconut bread today. And I'm, yeah, gonna, yeah, sit, yeah. And I'm gonna type the whole recipe up and post it for free. And it's like, yeah. <sighs> you know, um, it, that's just the real answer. I'm not, you know, I'm gonna yeah, make, yeah, yeah. Up, like, make up some stuff like, oh, I go in the backyard and make it free <laughs> and then recipe comes to my mind and I type it out and it's perfect. Nope. Yeah, that does not go down like that. No. Um, well, yeah. are you planning to travel for the next cookbook and, and to research or? Yeah, that's obviously, yeah, obviously that's uh, been difficult. Um, right. I did spend a month in Oaxaca, valuable, a very valuable nice. uh, look into Mexican bakery baking. Um, I had some... I, you know, ideas of going to Peru for a while. And then, you know, they had a variant of COVID that seemed like it was weird. And they yeah. had their political stuff happening at the same time. And had a lot of people hit me up like, yo, don't, don't go to Peru right now. And right. Peru's very rich in baking, man. Peru's got like yeah. a really, really ridiculous baking culture. Um, Cause I was living in New Orleans temporarily for six months and right um you know my partner and I we didn't know what to do we were like should we just like say screw it and just embark on some kind of travel and just see what happens or should we get back to New York on a more permanent basis and just like kind of like settle down to start working more and I think right now what's more important is the research behind what's happening my yeah. ability to just have a consistent kitchen consistent equipment and try as best as possible to like bang out as many recipes as I can um and you know the other thing is like doing I'm start doing pop-ups here kind of yeah. in the same vein of the book and I think that's been very helpful because now it's not just me testing a recipe and then right. just like eating it for breakfast it's like <laughs> I'm gonna serve this to people I'm right. gonna serve this to people in New York City I'm gonna collaborate with people who are running bakeries and restaurants here so I need to make sure that what I'm making is delicious and that it works and that it's great and that's definitely right. been helping me kind of um kind of move forward in, uh, creatively but um in terms of travel at some point i mean you know maybe next year i mean ne next yeah. month i'm going to like scotland to do some to, to do something pretty dope uh mm -hmm. unrelated to my book um but i think hopefully by like february march april some windows could open up to get another good chunk um, I mean, you know, and I've, I've been in, in the past before this book, I've been to several uh, Latin American countries right. and kind of I'm, I'm drawing from memory and um, 
my senses during those particular times for now, um, Ecuador, uh, Puerto Rico, Honduras, um, Colombia, just like wherever, you know, wherever I've been, I'm trying to like, yeah, I went to Colombia and worked with this bakery because I was doing like bakery consulting. So I learned a lot about their baking culture already. I already, yeah. you know, I've kind of been there and I'm going to use that to my advantage. Um, but obviously the dream is to hit every single country at some <laughs> yeah. point and learn everything. But I've had to accept the fact that I, I'm never going to know everything. Yeah. And if that's my standard, I'm going to drive myself crazy. So yeah, I'm coming up with ways to like mitigate that expectation and say, hey, you know what, this is going to be a cookbook or baking book, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to be a reflection on how you are perceiving Latin American baking. Right. You know, if I think it's going to be the end all be all encyclopedia of all time, that would take 50 years and I still yeah. wouldn't get it right. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm going through that too with writing a book where I'm like, well, it's my first book. So I'm very much like, uh, losing the forest for the trees and and convincing yeah. myself that I'll never have an you know that I'll never get it right and and it's, it's really daunting um it's really yeah, a daunting it's... process <laughs> well once you I think that's step one step one is realizing yeah. that it's a daunting process uh, once you realize like once you realize the stress of what it could be that's the danger zone like for me I've stopped drinking coffee I can't even drink coffee if I drink a real cup of coffee I'll lose my mind so I'm like (laughs) I I, kind of started to reach that that danger zone where I was like oh my god this book is gonna be like you know there's it has to be the best of all time it has to be the best baking book it has to have every it has to accurately represent every single Latin American culture and country Mm -hmm. and then as I'm testing some stuff and posting Instagram some fun videos that people like like Venezuelans you know what I'm saying I made some golfeados and uh, I didn't put enough cojita on them I didn't put <laughs> it uh I, I messed around and put some walnuts in it and they didn't like that they were like bro we do not put walnuts in them joints and I was like all right all right all right no no I made some uh you know some Brazilian yeah. cheese bread and they love man Brazilians was all about it but then okay Cats was coming in from different cities like oh you know in this city you make it like this in this city you make it like this and this you know we put yeah, yeah. potato we put potatoes in it we put parmesan in it we put blah, blah, blah. and the same with the pagine which is like the little french bread some people call it uh pain francais some people call it pagine some people call it this this city says that's just one country one country yeah. you got like 50 cities they're doing 50 <laughs> different breads so i'm like okay that's when i was like you know what be i'm gonna pick one of them yeah I'm going to pick one of them and I'm going to get it right. Or two of them, you know, or just like Mexico and yeah. Oaxaca, you got 20 different types of baked goods. That's different than Guadalajara. That's different than this. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to say, okay, Mexico, I'm going to pick what I know from Oaxaca, what I know from Jalisco and, you know, yeah. pan de muerto and, and, you know, rosca de reyes, get the, get a core amount of things right mm-hmm. and beautiful and have the stories to back it up. Because if I go chasing every single baked good in Mexico, that's, that's an, that's 10 books, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, Puerto Rico is such a tiny archipelago, but the way people make things, the arguments will go on forever about literally everything. And yeah. it's, there's no point in trying to, you know, I mean, there's a point in trying to get things right, but there's no point in trying to make everybody happy all the time. Cause it's just not going to happen. You um, gotta make, you're, you're the author of the book, right? You are yeah. the author of the book. So once you realize what you want the book to be, 
that's going to be the golden moment where you're yeah. like, okay, now I'm going to kick this into gear. Cause it did have, like with the first book, even though it, it only took me six months to write it because it was a small publisher and they just, yeah. they, they were like, this is the only window we've got. And I was opening a bakery at the same time in Miami. And so there's a lot of stress. And yeah, at the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, am I going to go more New Orleans with this? I had some other ideas. And then I kind of was like, well, I want to lean more into my Hispanic uh, roots. And so I, I just I like, then I decided to just mash that stuff together. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do both. I'm just going to yeah. like, put whatever I want into this book. Sometimes it'll be some New Orleans flavor. Most of the times it'll be Latin American. But of course, the publisher kind of pushed back. I still had to get like, you know, pita bread, hala, focaccia. I still had to put some of those traditional European components in there, which is fine. They're delicious. But now this go around, I'm like, I've evolved. I'm like, I'm, there's none of that stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm going to talk about the roots of right. baking. You know, there's obviously European influence in a lot of the world, but that's that's the extent that it will be. Right. And I mean, you mentioned um, making a bread of quinoa and sorghum and and you know, how much are you working with, you know, uh, alternative flowers? I mean, not necessarily alternative, but, or like more ancient grains, you know, stuff that's indigenous to the Americas. How is that? Why is that important, um, for you? Um, that's, yeah. I mean, it's look, it's, it's, um, it's a tricky, uh, question for me because like most, most bakeries in Latin America are just using some right. poor, poor quality, like roller mill, probably white flour, um, or just like very generic forms of flour. And obviously there's a lot of grains like amaranth and uh, corn, quinoa, rice, sorghum that are indigenous, you know, in the Andes, there's like a ton of grains out there. Right. But, you know, if I make a baking book that's supposed to be accessible, then, you know, if I go crazy and just like only use these like indigenous grains and this and that and heirloom grains, you know, I want people to bake from this book for a long time. I want regular moms and dads and families to like be able to open this book up and be like, yeah, we're going to make Mallorcas today for (laughs) dinner. And yeah, you know, like they make Mallorcas and they make uh, pan de queso. Like, you know, I don't, I want it to have, you know, I'm still working on it. I don't really yeah. have an answer. So I, yeah. I don't have it. I'm just like, because I get torn between just like going full out, like, you know, bringing back the grains and da 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 and making it, you know, a recipe for pan de coco. And it's just full of like amaranth and like this and that. But, you know, I'm going back and forth on what, how exactly I want um, to incorporate them into right. the recipes themselves. I definitely think for the pop-ups that I'm doing here, um, just depending on who I'm working with, what bakery I'm working with, what flowers we can access, I'm going to be using yeah. as much of, of that stuff as possible. Um, you know, I'm going to be doing a pan de coco that's baked in a banana leaf, you know, and right. that has like that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going in, but, you know, I'm not going to write a recipe that's like, all right, now go to a supermarket and get a banana leaf. The people yeah. in, you know, uh, Illinois, they're going to be like, huh, where do I get a banana leaf? I, I can't make this recipe. I'm not going to make this recipe. I can't find right. a banana leaf. I'm not going to bake this bread in the banana leaf. So it's hard enough for them to find real coconut, you know, they got to yeah. find the, the canned stuff in the store. So it's a, it's a balance and yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just working on that. Right. Well, I saw that you, you went on a pizza crawl in New York um you're you're teaching yeah you're doing a lot of pizza stuff what is what is it about pizza that you're 
That's interesting. And and the book has pizza recipe too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Masa pizza or something like yeah. that. Listen, pizza, first of all, the pizza crawl was because I linked up with this amazing artist, Crucial, in New Orleans, and we made a song and a music video. It's right. called Home Slice. Yep. Make sure you send your people that way because it's so fun. <laughs> and he, this, this guy had a song about eating pizza. I found out about it. I was like, yo, I'm a baker, blah, blah, blah. Pulled up on his crew, made them some wood fire pizza. They loved it. And I was like, dude, let's do a remix to the song. Let's make a music video. So my production company, Flaky Biscuit, we made the music video and it was just a blast. So I moved out to New York and then crew comes, he flies into New York too, to release the song. And I was like, yeah, yeah. you know, it would be fun. We'd be fun if we just like went around the city and ate pizza and just get on yeah. our Instagram and just like to kind of help promote the music. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we just had a blast doing that. And you know, the answer is simple. Like pizza is delicious. Pizza is amazing. It is <laughs> delicious. It is a very American thing. Yeah. It is, uh, it's just spectacular. I don't yeah. know what else to say. If so, you know, I can, I, here's the thing that's funny too, because like my work is all about like, uh, you know, pushing Latin America forward and our baking and our cooking, but I love pizza. <laughs> and I, I ain't giving that one up. No, I'm gi- I, I give up. I'm giving up croissants, baguettes and all that. Uh, y'all can have that. Y'all can keep that. Y'all can keep all that. But I will not relinquish pizza from my arsenal. It is just it, here's the thing: you could pull up on anyone and make them pizza, and you would you would just become friends, change your life. Exactly. Like, yo, I'm having throwing a pizza party. I'm making pizza in my oven. Yo, I'm there. Bet. <laughs> you know, if it's like, hey, I'm making arroz con pollo. Oh, you know, I think I have something to do. I don't know if I can make it. Hey, I'm making pizza. Yo, I'm there, bro. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> That's more of a joke, but it's true no, though. It's like it is. <laughs> pizza pizza is uh I'm, i'll never give it up man i, no. I just think pizza's so fun pizza's yeah. fun um it's just a, such a great way to to build community and um you know enjoy food yeah no i'm looking to get one of those like ovens for our patio so that i that we can get a little more into making pizza because yeah, the oven yeah, yeah. doesn't get hot enough but um no it's funny i eat pizza because i'm from new york so i eat pizza in every city i go to just to see what it's like you know, yeah. even if it sucks, I just, I'm like, yeah. well, and that's the other thing that I, you know, I found that you can find good pizza pretty much anywhere. Yeah. I mean, being I, like, yeah, there's cities that don't have like much pizza, if any, but you can find like, I, I'm, I'm very like, not, not like controversial. It's like, yo, like, <laughs> you know bagels pizza like right. i get new york has like yeah. that thing but like dog there's great bagels and great pizza like everywhere it's not that serious it's just a piece of bread it's literally a piece of bread you know it's it's bread every country every culture has bread yeah and you can replicate that bread anywhere in some form and there's yeah. this thing in in um in guadalajara they make birote and some people only believe birote can be made there and if it's not made in that specific city then it's not birote so they import yeah. it to, to LA to me I'm like guys is, you, can, you can definitely remake it it is a piece of bread it's not that critical but that's how that's just how I feel so right like, right right I've had pizza I've had pizza in so many places yo I was in Italy I was in Italy in this coastal town they gave me a pizza with boiled eggs french fries and mayonnaise and they said yeah. that, that was their town specialty and it was delicious but I'll tell you what if somebody in like uh, you know, uh, uh, Tennessee was making that same pizza. People be like, oh, that's not pizza. That's, that's not, <laughs> yeah. how oh, is not pizza? The Italian cat made it for me. It's definitely <laughs> pizza. 
<laughs> I have a friend Definitely here who's pizza. yeah. I have a friend in Taiwan who's a baker, a great baker, and he he says that Santo Domingo has great pizza. So I'm like desperate to go eat it. Let's go. Um, Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> well, for I will you, say, yeah. Oh no, never mind. No, you I go, was, you go. Mind. No, say it. Say nah, it. Nah, nah. I was, nah, I was gonna say something that it's not even right. I ain't even gonna say. I was just gonna say, <laughs> just like if you're in Oaxaca, don't get pizza. That's all. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> well, for you, is is baking a political act? Um, yeah, I mean everything is these days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will walk outside. You walk outside and look at a tree, and it's a political act. And, you, know, like, you can't escape. You can't escape. Um, it's hard to escape it, uh, especially when someone like me who relies on using social media and using a platform and all this kind of thing to reach um, several hundred thousand whatever people um i think it goes beyond just that's the other thing like the the, this this is like just having a blog and posting recipes is fun but what i'm doing now has kind of gone transcended that in it's morphed into more than just those recipes that's why it becomes more difficult and everything's about kind of having that voice and using it for the right reasons and you know, some people use their platforms very, very rigorously to tackle every single issue that's current, like every day that there's a new issue. Some people just, they're all about it. And hey, hats off, man, you know what I'm saying? If, if you have the energy to put yourself through that, to deal with the DMs you get, to deal with the comments you get that are going to be hateful, that are going to be mean, that are going to be nasty, do your thing. That's, I, I don't particularly do well with with getting too crazy about um, how I interact on social media. I yeah. obviously have made very bold statements before. I've obviously kind of like uh, talked about certain things. I mostly try to stay in my lane, um, but I do, you know, I'll repost things that I, that I believe um, people should see regardless of anything. Like I've, I'll repost uh, some of my great uh, friends who are women who have an issue with this Texas situation. I got an mm -hmm. issue with that stuff too. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But is that my story to come out and really talk about? I don't know, but I'm going to repost their stories because right. I believe what they're saying is correct. And if my followers don't like that, then well, but I'm not going to do this like every day, you know, like yeah. every day there's a new issue, political or religious or some new laws coming in that I don't agree with every single day. I could post that stuff, but then then on top of already just trying to keep my business afloat, I'm going to be dealing with people messaging me, people unfollowing me, people talking, you know, junk. And I'm like, I don't need that energy specifically yeah. in my work. Social media yeah. is my workplace and I'm trying my best to just keep it that way. But, um, you know, when, when the time comes, like, you know, last summer, uh, all the activism for black lives, right. of course, I'm in the center of that because every publication is reaching out to me to get a story out of me. And so I'm like, I have no choice but to talk. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe I should do better. Maybe, you know, because I, I think with regards to that Texas issue, for example, I got a couple comments from friends. They're like, hey, Brian, thanks for reposting that. We need more men to speak up about this. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Like, I didn't realize, you know, and then it's like, well, then maybe I should be speaking up more, right? You know, so it, it becomes a game to play, not a game. I didn't mean yeah. the game, but it becomes like a thing where it's like, how do I balance being able to do this for, for everything that I believe in 
um, hoping that I can kind of, I, and I guess maybe, maybe I shouldn't care about who follows me and this and that, that <laughs> another issue. It's like, why do yeah. I even care about, you know, the whole follower stuff. So it, um, it's just, it's a lot. It's a uh, lot. It's definitely, it's definitely, and I, I wasn't even really talking about, but your question was baking political. I kind of <laughs> went on the more the social, social media end, but um, let me just try to quickly say like, yeah, obviously baking the, the economics behind it, um, decolonizing food systems and trying to figure out a way to use baking as a vessel to push us forward. Um, obviously it's political in nature. So um you know, I'm gonna just keep, I'm gonna try to just keep doing me having fun with it and attacking issues as I can when I feel like I am uh, saying something relevant or right. um, doing something correct. Uh, I don't like to just, I guess like, it's like, I don't wanna just like spout off stuff every day, you know, without yeah. really thinking about it, really think about what I say and just like, and then if I wanna say something, I'll say it. But, you know, sometimes cats just like every day, just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whoa, 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 overload. Yeah. Yeah. Overload. Yeah. <laughs> no, I struggle with that too. And I think people don't realize like what you're in, what you could be inviting into your mind by constantly, and then you're always leaving something out and it's safer to try exactly. and, you know, figure out what the hell is going on before. Yeah. I, I try to make everything part of my work. I don't try to like social media for me is not the space for like, a political statement necessarily, but yeah. it's hard yeah, because man. some people think it is. And, and for some people it is, but for me, my work is where I say what I want to say. A thousand, a thousand percent. A thousand yeah. percent. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out today. Of course. This is great. I appreciate it. Um, Thanks. And I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. 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 Later. Cool. Bye. <laughs>